Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times, win at life, win at love, and ideally make a lot of babies. This is the only podcast that's been around for over 600 years. Facts may vary depending on your sources. In today's episode, we have Daria Kral being interviewed by Karina, our very own Karina, who is now monthly contributor to the podcast. And these two women get into what it's like growing up in a faith community and leaving it and coming back and what that means about their viewpoints on sexuality and marriage. They're both married. They're both in love. They're both amazing. Please enjoy Daria Kral and Karina, everybody. Hello, everyone. Here is Karina Kamendes Cornihan. Still haven't changed my last name. And I have a really incredible guest, Daria Kropp. She's from Austria, but she lives in Germany right now with her husband. And actually, uh, we're having this conversation because I want to know her more. And we are going to just like talk as friends, know each other more. And I hope you can enjoy our conversation as well. So hello, Daria. Hi, Karina. How are you? I'm good. I'm here in Uruguay. Is sunny, but the winter is coming. What about there? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like the spring is just arriving. The weather is beautiful. It's getting hotter. Like life is coming again. So it's beautiful. So nice. How is like the lockdown there? <sighs> uh oh. Still there. Tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can meet now two families or like two households can meet each other, but not more than five people. And I don't know, like the cases are going higher again. So I don't know how long it's going to stay uh... like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here as well, the same. So we are all here in the same situation all around the world, no matter where. But <laughs> thanks God we had this connection internet. We can see each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So Daria, tell me about yourself. Like, what are you doing? How old are you? What is your, a little bit like background? <laughs> so hi, I'm Daria. I'm 28. I got blessed in October last year. And I came to know my husband exactly one year ago. <laughs> so everything was really wow. fast. And we were really happy with each other. <laughs> uh, it just couldn't be better. And so, yeah, I'm originally Austrian, both my parents. I'm also an offering child, also both Austrian. <laughs> and so I grew most of my life, grew up in Austria. My parents were missionaries in Poland uh, for Mission mm -hmm. Butterfly. And I was 13. My younger sister is two years younger than me. And then we moved to Poland. I stayed there for three years. Yeah, three years, 16. Then it was in Germany. <laughs> I wow. loved the radio And then I moved back to my parents and then I moved to Austria and I was going to school, agriculture, business and mm -hmm. horse riding. Also Aquarian, I think it's called in English. Like I had a lot of different kind of jobs and actually I grew up outside the church. So mm -hmm. I didn't actually know until I was 16 and a half. 17, but I, I didn't know that actually I'm a second gen. And so I came to know then and I was like, it was a rocky path, but mm -hmm. it came really like with 22, I realized like, this is not the life I want to have. And I knew mm -hmm. really two parents that was uh, and chunking a few times out of workshops, but it was like, I never had a clear cut. And this time I was like, okay, that's good. Like a few things happened. And I was like, okay, it's enough. This is not the life I really want to. And then I was participant and involved with SDF for three years, had a break in between, and mm. was again involved for, with SDF for a whole year. And now SDF is not 
Like, yeah, <laughs> on hold. <laughs> oh, I see. So why was the case that you didn't knew about the church and the faith before that? I guess my parents really burned out from the mission. And mm. I realized later on, because there was a huge wave actually from Austrian, mm. or I feel like a huge wave of people that left during this time, or like mm. kind of were disconnected from the community, because there were also like, as officially, we're not part of the church anymore because of the mission mm -hmm. so it was challenging for them and they still kept two parents in their heart because we have a few pictures somewhere like from them but we weren't raised in this belief mm -hmm. and I'm actually proud that later I decided for myself mm -hmm. I want to be part of this community Wow. Yeah, I, I feel I can relate. Although my parents were very strongly about the faith and like my identity and purity and all that. At some point in my life, I, I kind of like decide to take a step back and questioning everything of my faith and kind of like left the church for half a year, basically. And although I was sure I tried to live like as much as I can, the experiences of being a person who doesn't have this principle, like I know a person who is just free to do whatever they want. And I can relate with that because as well, like I felt so lonely at some point or no, I don't know, lonely, but like there's something was missing. And then I have an experience with God. And as well, like I felt like, oh, I chose this path because I definitely was out of it. And there's the kind of beauty of that because It's like you take ownership of your faith and it is now about your relationship with God and not just like what is mandatory. For example, one thing in my family, we never did Hondoke as a family and that didn't stop me to do Hondoke whenever I felt it was the right time. Because some part I felt like, oh, if you don't do this with your kids, they're going to do that and that, you know, and maybe not. I don't know. At least it wasn't my case. There you're right. It's like it's about your relationship with your own relationship with God. And I've seen like through SDF and also other second gen that did grow up in a church, but didn't have this personal relationship with God. And mm. sure, I have done a lot of mistakes and have done a lot of stupid BS and not good stuff. I just mm. try not to swear. But <laughs> so, and I know really the difference between like, also just like talking about, because we're hanging, it's like about sexual relationship, what is healthy, what is good, mm. what is unhealthy, what is actually damaging. How old you were when you decide to follow this path? When I really had this cut off moment, well, I was 22 and I'm now 28. So, wow. <laughs> and SDF was actually really my, somehow my birthplace. I was first, I was for a while in Changpyeong and then I was attending different workshops. But this is where I was really growing my heart, really just growing to have my heart for myself, to give, forgive myself. Because at first I was really judgmental towards others because I was judging myself so much. Then I was growing my heart towards myself and kind of, I would have been never, ever talking about this kind of stuff before publicly mm. or like it was for me I mean hard to talk to one person about like that I didn't know that I was a second gen or other stuff so and now it's like I feel like this is a story maybe someone else can learn from and it doesn't matter really what kind of things you've gone through in your life there's always a way back and it doesn't matter how often you were already part of our movement or not mm. because there was a time I was kind of on and off but as I said it was like if there is no clear cut it's often so hard to kind of like having mm. this two phases like 
double life. Mm, kind of double life. life. Mm. And it's so hard on yourself to do that. Yeah, that's something that Hainun talks a lot about because we feel like, oh, in front of these kind of people, we should look like this. And in front of these kind of people, we should look like this. So that's definitely what I have experienced when I was going through that process myself. I didn't talk with my parents. So I didn't talk with people from the church when I got, was going through my, I have a boyfriend back then. I was just talking with people who I knew they will support me. But with people that I knew that they would disagree with me, I will not tell them the truth because I didn't want to disappoint them. I didn't want them to stop to love me. So that double life is really real. And it happens with everything. It can happen with the relationships, but it can happen with many other experiences and sexual integrity as well. And one thing, for example, like I've been thinking about it lately, I myself have been very strong with myself about the process of like, oh, I went through a really bad process. I don't want anyone to go through that story again or need to go through that process as I went through. And then uh, I realized with help and coaching as well uh, that if the process helped me to be where I am, I need to help people from the result, isn't it? And if that that's my story and it's going to be useful for people, but maybe people will still going through that process. But everyone, as you say, deserves to have the same result. So no matter what is your story, you deserve and you have the possibility to be blessed, to have a family and to have a great relationship as you have with your husband right now. <laughs> you said that actually so beautiful. Like, it's really like, we never can prevent something from happening. It's like, mm. as I said, it's a process and everybody has to really go through their own process. Sure, it would be great if everybody could keep a certain, like this kind of being a complete white sheet. Mm. But sometimes like things happening and then just like to rescue mm. someone doesn't necessarily help that person. Oh, I forgot to say I'm about to graduate my coaching school. I'm becoming a development coach or a personal oh. development coach. And in coaching, it's the same thing. It's like we as a coach am supporting the person to empower the person to see the strengths they have in themselves anyway. But often mm. you, you don't have their perspective. You don't see that you're kind of in this bubble. Mm. And through asking questions, I'm supporting the person to see other possibilities. What mm. else is possible than rather than this one focus? It's like, oh my God, why is this happening? What is this happening? It's like, okay, what else is possible, you know? And like, as a coach, I take myself away from the outcomes. It doesn't matter for me what is the outcome. It's about the person and that the person is going somewhere with that. And it takes some time. Sometimes it's a very fast process and progress. Sometimes it's slow. It's really about the person itself and like how fast they grow or how much they want actually sometimes to dig deeper or not like everybody is going their own path yeah and every step counts and no matter if it's like yeah. more smooth process or a very hard process every step is getting you closer to that place you want to be and so that's the important thing on not stopping so maria in that story where did you meet Hainun? it was like i knew how you a little bit before already through sdf because mm. sammy's wife came one time to poland Glanov to give a talk so i was there and then also with sdf we met again sammy and his wife in chongkong then i watched together with my husband at that time when we were still in the matching process the 25 challenge in mm. i think it was in may last year april last was, year yeah oh great okay right one year ago <laughs> and we listened to it together and we were talking about it together like 
like we were separated because of the corona so we weren't able to meet each other but like just through we would watch uh call each other on whatsapp and then hear uh watch it on facebook and just talk about it and that was so nice mm -hmm. so i was struggling that time with quarter masturbation i mean we talked about that so he knew and we were very honest with that but like this whole with high noon watching that it brought us somehow on a much deeper level about being able to talk mm. about sex or masturbation porn its causes and i was then really encouraged really wanted to kind of do something about it because i always wanted to kind of not having this issue for mm. even going in a matching process or being blessed but yeah that didn't <laughs> work out as i thought in the 12-week program as a participant and that was so nice because we were all so brutally honest and mm. <laughs> really vulnerable and just like really sharing what was going on and just like mm. really no shadows whatever difficult situation we went through just we shared it Or beautiful, like successes. Mm. Or it was really beautiful. It was really nice. And so I felt like I've gained so much and I've learned so much. So I wanted to give back. And since then, I'm also a facilitator. Just finished my second <laughs> second group. <laughs> wow. So being a woman struggling with poor masturbation make you feel like you think it was harder? Like it was heavier on you? Or it was something like normal. You know what I mean? It's like, do you judge yourself more because you were a woman and you thought it was the only one or? I definitely felt for a long time I'm the only one, especially as around second gen. The friends before I was like, oh yeah, that was kind of normal, you know? But around second gen, I was like, oh my God, I'm so dirty. Like, especially my first year, because I did also have before a boyfriend and I did have a relationship. So mm -hmm. for me, like, just to share that or, like, even saying anything about that would, like, be, mm -hmm. okay, that's my death sentence. <laughs> and so this is something what I meant before, like, with talking and sharing about myself, of my past, was so challenging for me because I was judging myself so much. Like, there was so much shame and guilt and I would say even more shame. Like, I felt like there's something wrong with me. Like as a person, mm. being as a woman. And so it was, I did not want to share anything. Anymore. And I had just one sister and I talked with her about that, but actually two. Anyways, like there was with one, I was a little bit talking a little bit deeper, but because I was the oldest, one of the oldest in SDF, except Deborah, the director, <laughs> so we didn't say me. And like later on, myself, like, I never felt like I could talk to someone about it. I felt I never had this, on me <laughs> I could share with or talk about it and that was actually really like hard on me in general yeah guiltic is really a heavy heavy feeling myself for example even if it was like a six month of like experiencing things outside it took me like three years to heal that or and even still in the process of healing that because I still even if it's like I try to nudge like to heal myself I always think about like how I hurt so many people I heard this I heard and that's like really hard for to forgive yourself isn't it so I understand and as well here I'm the oldest second generation in with Uruguay and blood at least in my country so yeah I can completely relate with that so there are other second gens of me from Japan that they came like a, with as a, with the parents as a missionary but they have like a different perspective or at least at that time it was kind of hard to talk with them <laughs> but yeah how was your process of like healing that guilty 
I guess. Like in general, I was actually more shame than guilt, but like guilt was then when I was acting out. <laughs> but like with the shame, I guess like I was going through SDF and my first day there was so much shame. And then in my second year, it was like I was growing more and more because I was also taking care of others. And then in my third year, more, I felt like each one was kind of a level somehow getting higher mm. with the growth of my heart. So because I was growing the heart towards others, I was growing also my heart for myself. And so I really had this experience that really felt like God accepts and loves me as I am. And I don't need to be ashamed. Sure, it would be great to do something, <laughs> but it's be different. I do something different, but there is no judgment. Mm. The judgment comes really just for myself. And when I felt this love, then I was like, oh yeah. And I felt like when I was, for example, talking, when I was in process with my husband, we shared when we were acting out mm. and we were really honest and it was for me at the beginning so hard it was so difficult (laughs) it was so hard for me to be so vulnerable and just like being so authentic but I felt like this was like this really strong foundation of our relationship Mm. and it was kind of the stepping stone somehow of creating this great relationship we have right now because now we can just talk mm. really about everything and mm. we are not scared of hurting each other because sometimes we just do that and mm. it's, it's unavoidable we really watch our language of how we say things and then also to say it as quick as possible because if you hide things sure maybe you don't see it so you don't lie but without mm. saying it when it comes out then it is still hurtful and so when you say it earlier sure it hurts and it's maybe uncomfortable, but you know, it's like, okay, this honesty is so much worth. Yeah, I guess like talking about it and really like sharing with that, especially with your matching process and your match in that time now, your husband or the person closest to you, it really takes out the shame of it, isn't it? And yeah. when you just leave it in your mind, you feel like is it bigger than it is or although it's a big deal it becomes bigger and bigger it just grow inside of you but when you share it it's like all that it just go away and, and yeah I personally for example in the matching process we would Robert we would try as well to communicate as well every time and the matching process is hard because you have these feelings that you want to love to the person but uh, you cannot it's not the right time and you have all the hormones through, like running away <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you have all that sexual energy building up. And the more longer the matching process, the harder it is. <laughs> and yeah, but we definitely have a system of sharing with each other when I act out or something. Yeah, we try to keep it, of course, serious, but as light as possible. So it becomes like process, it becomes like more, more enjoyable. And as you say, it really opens the door of more intimate conversation for the future, a foundation for the future. So has been your life as a wife so far? How it feels? It's getting better, I feel, because like at the beginning, so <laughs> like two weeks after we got blessed, I was more or less escaping Poland because I was scared that they're going to <laughs> close <laughs> the borders again. <laughs> so mm. it was like, I packed everything. Two days later, I left, more or less. Mm. And so we were still in the in the separation time. And that was Mm. really tough. That was really challenging. But it was also a beautiful time somehow because Mm. there was really this intense attraction towards each other, but still like kind of, okay, it's not the time yet. Mm. And at the beginning, it was for me kind of challenged because I felt like after we had the first time our sexual relationship, it was for me, I did have sexual relationship before and that I felt like somehow this scar 
which mm. reopened somehow. And mm. so I felt like there's still something that I need to deal with. So I shared it with him and it's like, you know, like there was sure that we needed to give each other time and to get used to the new situation. And it took time, I would say, to get us used to each other in a different way. But I feel like now it's really beautiful. Now it's, mm. it's really nice. I think it's, it is always hard at the beginning, no matter what is your experience. <laughs> I think as well, like, no matter what is your story, once you get blessed, it's like starting from zero. Also, like, kind of, I was in our movement, it's like, you know, you, you never touch, you never t look, and, you know, mm. like, you don't, I mean, sure, <laughs> most of us probably will have kind of a sexual attraction to someone, but still there is this thing of, you know, you shouldn't do certain things. And then mm -hmm. from zero to hundred, you should have sex and you don't like come to. <laughs> so it's I like, awkward. <laughs> it's really challenging. So I feel like we talked and we said, okay, we, we take our time mm -hmm. to know each other and to figure out what we like and what we don't like. And what was really helping was also like this emotional intimacy with each other mm. to really be connected and for example when there was something going on <laughs> like not talk issue or like something unresolved then we would actually stop and talk about it continue and was good or like now often we tried to do it before <laughs> so yeah. or just like in general having a good conversation before like really being connected and then like the whole process is just so much more beautiful and nicer and mm. how was it for you it took us several weeks to be able to do it i was like they were so hard of us or not doing it and now when we try it it's so impossible to do it i thought it was something wrong with me <laughs> but yeah slowly slowly and definitely wasn't so great at the beginning but slowly your body's gonna get used to it. we were trying to get slow i didn't want it to have my first time to be a traumatic time so i'm not gonna share too many details because it's just open <laughs> But yeah, we went through the process. Someone has that experience, you just come to me. But yeah, now definitely is like another level. And I just feel like we're just touching the fundamentals. Like I have hope that it's going to be better and better and better with the thing, with the time goes by. So I don't know how because it's really good. But and but sometimes I feel like the guilt, the shame or some part of my story sometimes as well, it stops me. Or when I become like, I did have masturbation problems myself I don't know if it was like I call it self-stimulation because I wasn't completely masturbation but self-stimulation is masturbation either way and it was a habit that I have for like very young I don't know how it even happened but I just ended up knowing that that's, that exists I even knew the name but I knew that that can happen so yeah in the end sometimes I get like oh I want to have the same feeling or I get like oh I want to experience that and, and then I get like now as a, as a wife no yeah. yeah so for example in the moment like uh, having sexual relationship in the process sometimes that comes up and I feel like oh yeah it is good but I feel like that aspect it did have a negative aspect negative result on me that I'm pretty sure it's gonna go over at some point because there's sexual relationship with your husband it's way better of that feeling that you can have just yourself that for sure 
But yeah, sometimes I need to let my body know that we are not looking for my own pleasure. And of course, I work on that. But sometimes like once every six months or something like that comes up and I feel like, oh, man, that is still there. But I'm still not sure if it's just the shame of it or that it makes me feel that way or it's just a natural reaction of my body or or it's actually like some negative effect of that habit. So I'm still figuring it out. But either way, like they, their sexual relationship is it is good but it has their ups and downs as well like we're in the learning process you have you work on your sexual integrity before the blessing so for sure i think like there were many things that was already resolved that but how are you dealing with the things that are still unresolved since we started our sexual relationship i've never acted out actually or half watched porn but i know definitely there is the desire so during the time when we were in the separation time, I did still act out and was watching porn because like the sexual attention what was there, but we wouldn't do anything was like really intense. So I kind of to have a like to release it somewhere else with him. But it is like what I see is like the difference is somehow the feeling comes that I want to act out or having the desire of watching something comes when we're disconnected or when I feel like I'm not aligned with myself somehow and mm. I'm so in stress and that would kind of be a quick fix like often like I felt for myself that but porn and masturbation was a quick fix for when I was kind of a little bit of a depressed or mm. not depressed or like kind of frustrated frustration is a better word frustration or kind of on a down or so many things on my mind that I really didn't know really what to do anymore and I feel like now when there is something that I really talk with my husband about it or I talk also really deep with my sister we are very good accountability partners for different things and to talk about it and to kind of let it out it's really helpful to steam let the steam out through a talkative way I guess for especially for women we <laughs> usually women mm. like to talk about emotions and what's going on and that is really helpful Helping, I feel. And how do they, you know, when as a facilitator, I share also what's going on with myself. And Saturday was also always nice to do. Mm. Like talking, having connection with someone else, mm. with my husband. But I don't, I don't want to do it just with my husband. I want to do it also with a friend or like with my sister. Yeah, that's a really great point, isn't it? When we are well ourselves, we are just, we want to give to the other person and we're not thinking about just ourselves, isn't it? So, and that goes with the small things we do in our daily life on checking if we are connecting with people, checking if we are working on our habits for not being so stressed and all that. It is important for our sexual integrity, but our whole being as a person, isn't it? So, great point and great reminder for myself as well. <laughs> I feel like this drive to rinse corner masturbation is often actually the one of the causes are like this not having this connection belonging to other people because mm. for example like okay in my family it was normal to hug and we're a very huggable family <laughs> uh, but still like there's also this kind of not just hugging but also like this safetyness mm. and I feel like right this is actually also a big thing between us like between me and my husband it's like there's a lot of trust and like feeling of being safe talking about anything and it's just you know being on one side really deep but also be just like being able to be ourselves without judgment mm. from the other one and I feel like you know sometimes we grow up in a family that there's a certain amount of acceptance to certain things but then there's also judgment towards other things you know? <laughs> and so feeling I was like oh I'm not accepted as I am and so for mm. example I was sharing like one time I shared to my mom 
that I was struggling with that. And I felt really liberated. And then mm. another time was like, she was asking, oh, okay, how are you doing with that? And I was like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm still struggling with it sometimes. And then she was like, oh no, you shouldn't do that. And you should that and kind of lecturing me. And I was like, oh, okay, now I don't feel safe anymore to talk to you about it. Mm. <laughs> even saying that later on, I was like, mom, you know, I understand you that you share that because you feel like it's, and that you're right, that I should mm. actually not do that because it's not healthy and a healthy habit. But how you talk to me, it feels me, it makes me I feel unsafe. I don't know. I feel, mm. I feel and so like this kind of judgment and stuff. So it's like, it's not really hard to actually share about it. Mm. I feel this is what I feel like is so different in the relationship between me and my husband as there is no judgment. And sure, like when you get hurt, doesn't mean that I judge you. I felt just hurt by an action. But just like by sharing it, it's like you take, you're accountable for what you've done because you share it and they take responsibility for it. Really incredible point for every parent that is listening or if you have someone who is struggling and they decide to open up to you, every time that you lecture them or judge, kind of like feel like judgment, it stops that safeness that you want to, you feel like, oh, I can go and share with this person about it. Because definitely you knew that it wasn't helping you, that it wasn't a great habit, but it is not easy to stop that. How long have you had that habit, like for masturbation? Probably a very long time. Yeah, I mean, there was always kind of an on and off. So I think I was like, I came to porn like much earlier, like kind of pictures early on. But with when I figured out that this actually is possible, I was, I think, 19. Now you're 28, like nine years of like on and off, of course, but it's a habit that gets really stuck on you. It's not that easy to get rid of. And that's why I know this, like uh, giving courses and groups and so many tools because we know that once it's occurred and get impregnant never mind it's not that easy to just get free of it just for desire and willpower yeah and so i think like definitely when we are judged and things like that are so hard to leave we feel unsafe as you say to share so yeah really great point what could help, for example, in this situation? I guess it's really difficult for a parent to do that. But for the sake of the child, or even like if there's someone listening who is a mentor or like a pastor or something, and someone is coming with this issue, it's like kind of more of a coaching approach by mm. supporting that, like kind of, okay, I hear you. What would you like to change? Or how would you like to deal with the situation now? You know, there's mm. one way to, think, to share it and then kind of, okay, you have done a big step of sharing that. Thank you for your courage. So what would you do with this now, after? What would you like mm. to do after that? What are mm. the next steps? Instead of kind of pushing or like kind of, you know, that the other person still like came to share, kind of still takes ownership and takes responsibility for their own path of healing. Mm. And just like telling, lecturing what you have to do or not do, it makes the other person just like feel not very good. It's like, oh yeah, I knew why I was feeling guilt or shame, like showing me why I was so ashamed about it and why I actually shouldn't talk about it to anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that the more you share it though, the less you expect for people respond. You just share it because you're free from it. 
So maybe like a now, right now, if you share it with someone and they don't respond in the way you were expecting, you know that you have people in your life that will respond well and kind of like it doesn't touch you as much, doesn't affect you as much as well. Once you start to get rid of the shame and and of those shadows, isn't it? Through groups, through uh, people who understand you, people who can support you in this, isn't it? And the thing is also, because I felt like in the beginning, I didn't have anybody who was Mm. kind of agreeing with me. I was like, or not agreeing or like kind of supporting me. But then later I was like, okay, I mean, sure, there is, there needs, I feel like at least for me, it was like, I was able to see that when I had more confidence later on, Mm. when I kind of feeling of I'm okay is when people react negatively or kind of are being judgy is like, okay, that's their piece of cake. This is something they have a problem with, with that because whatever. But this doesn't mean that I am less worth because of their judgment. Often it's just like maybe someone is, there's something triggered for that person. Maybe you can figure out what's going on, but not necessarily important to do that. So it's just like, okay, this is, that's their piece of cake. They can do with that. But I'm going through my own story and my own path and if that person is not able to accept that then but it's hard it's really hard to see that way (laughs) no it is hard but once you have like a support team it becomes like less important for you as well so and laria what do you will share one advice you will share to a woman for example to yourself when you were 19 years old what will be an advice you will tell yourself when you were 19 years old if they would have a 19 years old sister right now what advice you will share to them it would not just be to a 19 year old sister just to anyone who is just challenged <laughs> with this topic first of all high noon <laughs> of course because for me i mean i shared with my mom but it wasn't as helpful as i thought it would be And that's okay. I don't judge my mom for that. Maybe other parents are more reciprocative for that. Mm -hmm. And maybe dealing it with a different way. Definitely give it, try to give it a shot. But definitely like, I don't, I feel like there was really great support of really getting there. And like, at the beginning, it's really kind of difficult to talk about it. But I feel like, okay, there are so many other sisters who are going through the same thing. So I feel like, there's no judgment. So it's easier to do that. And okay, it's maybe a that good, for example, there's a drug addiction, or you're alcoholic, you're going to the AA, or you go to someone somewhere else to get sober, but with the same group, because you're going through a similar situation. The same is like here in high noon, you struggle with porn and masturbation, and you go here to a group or like the course, or you have an accountability partner. And it is a start. And this is something I feel like I'm sorry that it took for me so long to get that start, but I'm still happy that I did because I feel like so much difference from I would where I was for one year than where I'm right now. Wow. And it helped you with not just like poor masturbation, but if you have something in your life that you're ashamed of and you want to really put light on it, it really helps you to just have a supporting group that will give you that grace, that will give you that support and to kind of clean that aspect. It is important. So yes, the RSA is really, if you still have time, 
sign up for High Noon. We have group for mothers, group for wives, group for singles. So whatever is your need, just be clear of it. And this support group can help to get to your goals. So yeah, I'm so happy with this talk. Thank you, Daria. We were able to meet each other and know your story. <laughs> you are really a brave person and you went through a lot. And But you're here now in the point of like helping others and creating your own beautiful family. So congratulations. Also, thank you for your hard work for High Noon and <laughs> doing all this work and, <laughs> and sharing your own story and just like somehow living for High Noon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So see you in the next episode. Bye bye. Hello, everybody. Andrew Love here. And I just wanted to add one more point. High Noon is a nonprofit organization and we are run by donations. And although we've been doing okay, thanks to the massive generosity of our founders, the Wolfenbergers, we want to expand higher, 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 higher. We want to make a global impact. We want to reach every family. We want to change the culture. And for that to happen, we're going to need a lot of volunteers and a lot of staff. That's just the reality. It takes money to travel. It takes money to do a lot of the things we do. And we want to let you be a part of this growth. And so what we've created is a donors club, which is a $10 a month club. And when you join, you get a t-shirt mailed to your door. You can get some exclusive content. And we also have some really good goodies for our tribe of people who are part of the donors club that we're going to talk about in the coming months. So I just wanted to invite you to be one of these people. Everybody can afford $10 a month. It's just a matter of whether it's a priority. So if you feel High Noon has impacted you positively or your family or somebody you know, please consider donating. I don't want you to give any money unless you really, really want to. But if you do want to, I encourage you to really, really donate. So $10 a month is, I don't know, a cat a month. I don't know how to measure it. It's a giant hamburger and french fries a month that you can sacrifice in order to help this world become a more habitable, more enjoyable, more connected, more loving place. So please consider joining our Donors Club. It's just $10 a month. We look forward to seeing you on the inside of our secret society for donors. Have a good day, everybody.